Welcome back to the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 40. Like Jon Snow in season six of Game of Thrones. Spoilers, I'm back from the dead. My name is Dan Ryan. I'm your host. With me this morning is Dean DeFalco. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dean. And Evan is not with us this morning. He is busy wrapping up some things for the awesome Garden State Comic Fest coming up at the end of July. Some really big things are happening. And uh, I'm sure Evan will tell you about them next week. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think so. So we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you're viewing things, we are not going to be talking anything Secret Wars this week because it's a busy week. It's Father's Day. I didn't have time to read extra books. Uh, I read the three that I wanted to talk about today. Dean's got his stuff. So, Dean, why don't you kick us off? It was a double week for Mega Man. So that's the thing. Uh, the first one <laughs> was, I think it was Mega Man 50, which is it was. their like big penultimate, you know, we made it 50 issues thing. And it was cool. It was a good book. I enjoyed it. Uh, you find out who's coming through that portal, and it's a lot more than I thought. There was, there was X, there was Sticks the fucking Badger, which I didn't ever <laughs> want to see again. Uh, Zero is there. Uh, then, you know, the worlds are starting to come together. Mega Man and Sonic are fighting each other, the, the roboticized ones, because apparently... Wily and uh, Eggman planned the whole thing out where they were going to fight each other and, you know, they were going to beat the shit out of each other until they turned into regular people again, and then they were going to turn on Sigma. However, there was a hitch in the plan because they didn't expect Mega Man and Sonic to see each other so soon. They were hoping this was going to be a showdown inside the Sigma castle, and when they turned back to normal, Sigma would be right in front of them. So Sigma is all like, what the fuck is this? This wasn't supposed to happen. Someone sabotaged it. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Yeah, so he finds out that uh, Robotnik and uh, Wily were part of this plan to sabotage everything. So he sends those weird like hex dimension creatures after them. And all right, yeah, cool. Great. That's pretty much the book. Everyone's okay now. Everyone's back to normal. And now they're on the offensive to try and uh, stop Wily. Well, not really Wily and Robotnik uh, so much as Sigma. This is really Sigma's deal. And, I mean, I'm excited. I want to see more X. There was not a lot of X in this issue. It kind of made me sad. If X is pretty much, you know, stuck in the Sonic uh, Boom comics, we're going to have issues. We're going to have a lot of fucking issues, actually. <laughs> So I hope that changes. Uh, besides <laughs> that, you know, it's just more of the same. I, it, it wasn't really too much going on. I mean, to be honest, Mega Man and Sonic turning back to normal were the big things there. And, I mean, we all knew that was going to happen. You can't have a Sonic and Mega Man book without Sonic and Mega Man. Although there are other versions, they're not as cool as the regulars. So, with that being said, give it a shot. Get through it. Um... The other book was Sonic um, Worlds Unite number one battles, I think it was called. That you could skip. There, uh, unless you really want to know how Mega Man got captured or why Vile's a dick and he he gets fucked up. Yeah, sure. You could read it, I guess. It was, it was alright. It definitely wasn't worth the $5 I spent. No, that one was $4. I think the... Uh, Mega Man 50 was five. Um, yeah, I I didn't I didn't really like it. It was it was like I it felt like a Secret Wars tie-in. I I didn't need it. Like, all right, you know, it's it's one of those things where it it goes back to the Star Wars saying like I love Darth Vader, but George Lucas didn't need to tell me how he grew up. It's it's that. Yeah. You yeah. know, like. I, I love Mega Man. I love Sonic. I didn't need to know how they were captured. I understood from them being in gigantic test tubes that they were captured. There was no reason <laughs> to make a book about it and, you know, elaborate. I get it. He wasn't strong enough to take on these hex dudes. Instead, they put 10 pages about him fighting these hex guys, and he just got the shit kicked out of him. So, I, I don't know, man. And there's going to be more of these books. I think there's like three or four so I'm not particularly excited for it. I was happy they just didn't spend a specific week on that. 
So, you know, whatever. I'll, yeah, that's that's kind of nice. That's one of the things that the that the big two kind of run into. One of their problems is it's, you know, uh, the book is late. Uh, filler. Go. You know, so we end up with these books of, like, oh, this is tangentially tied to the overall story, I suppose. You know, like... I, I'm looking through this book right now because I, I picked it up. I haven't had time to get to it yet. But the first little uh, story in this Worlds Unite Battles thing, uh, the artwork is awesome in that. It's very, it's got a very Jim Mafood kind of flavor to it and kind of wacky. The colors are really interesting. There's some really neat stuff going on in the art in that first little uh, story of Mega Man. And I guess it's these little hex robots or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That would be it. I mean, it's not bad, but you know, it's just it's not I, story I, want... I needed to see. The the art is yeah. good. I mean, uh, the story after that, which is uh, zero Axel and Vile, which I mean, you know, for one, fuck Axel. I didn't need him <laughs> in Mega Man X Seven. I sure shit don't need him now in an add on comic. Um, it, though the art's really cool. Like they, it's in a snow area, so you get like a lot of this um grainy sort of uh, look to it, which is cool because you normally don't see that in the comic book. No one yeah. puts that much detail into it, which is neat. But was it necessary for me to read? No, I get it. They made it out of there. Vial is captured. Cool. Got it. Yeah, it's uh, if you see somebody captured in a comic book, you can sort of assume. That at some point they had been captured. I I don't know. You I, know, it it's it. Yeah. It, I expected a little bit more, but eh, whatever. You know, I'm I'm not crazy upset about it. Uh, it, it's it just adds more to it. But like I said, I feel the the battles book was just Archie sort of phoning it in. The other thing that I'm uh, very upset about is Archie's actually putting Mega Man on indefinite hiatus. Uh, coming issue fifty five. Well, that's shitty. Right? Right? Like, so we're going to have fucking four Sonic books in an Archie line, essentially. Ugh. I'm not happy about that. No. You know, like, what What the fuck, man? Like, seriously, why? Why? Is, is Mega Man selling that bad that you need to put it on hiatus? Take out fucking Sonic Boom if you don't have a budget. <laughs> like, why? What, what are yeah. you doing? Ugh. That yeah. that really upset me. You know, there's there's no reason why Mega Man should be put on hiatus. The book's solid, story's good, art's great. Like, I I get it if Ian Flynn is a little bogged down because he writes four different books, but get a different fucking writer maybe. Don't you know stop the book. The book's good. I I like the book. Give someone else to try it or something. I just I don't want to see it go away. It it makes right. me sad, especially because they said indefinite hiatus. It's not like. It'll be back in August. No, we don't know when the fuck it's going to be back. So that that's scary to me. Yeah, that's indefinite hiatus is never a good sign. Yeah, no, and you know for the comic industry, it, it for like a uh, a a market that's already sort of waning, I'm I'm a little afraid what that means for Mega Man. I want to see it work. And to be honest, man, someone needs to start one of those fucking uh petition things online. People will sign it and whatnot, because that book needs to stay around. That's bullshit that they're going to fucking put it on hiatus. Ian Flynn, we don't care about your family or your personal life. You keep writing Mega Man stories. Kill off God fucking... There's three different it. Sonics. Kill off one of them. No one yeah, needs I three agree. Sonics. Sonic is not that interesting. No, no. <laughs> not for just, three books. There's not, there's not that much there. No, no, of course he, not. He runs fast to the right. Totally, and like that, that's about it. Yeah, and there, there's a chemical plant level, and it's got good music. <laughs> if I could open the comic and that music plays every time, sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. The music was great. Yeah, but so overall, uh, Worlds Unite. What are you thinking so far? Because we're we're about halfway in now, right? Yeah, a, a yeah, third of the way in. Ah, uh, yeah, I think we got till August. So, um, overall. It's been good so far, but if they start popping out more of these battle books, like a lot, you know, one to go with every week, I'd be a little afraid. Um, besides that, it's been fun. I, I've enjoyed it. However, I, I don't want to see Mega Man go away. Yeah. 
Like knowing this now, and like it's like <sighs> maybe I, there's a good storyline reason. For I why I hope so. Well, like you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe you know his universe gets all fucked up at the end of this or something. But we'll, right. we'll see. I I don't know. Um. All right. Yeah. So, uh, the other book I read was uh, Martian Manhunter, which I know you've been super excited for. Yeah, and I, I, I don't. I know how you feel about Martian Manhunter. Yeah, and I like I. I need another issue. I don't. I don't know if I like this or if I hate it yet. It was. It was weird. This alien ate donuts. <laughs> I like donuts. He ate donuts. I don't know what else to make of it. To be honest, I. I. It's. It's difficult to say. I. I don't know, man. I. I had a hard time. Like. Like. Reading the book, I I understand what's sort of going on. Like you know, Martian Manhunter's doing his thing, and all of a sudden these aliens are like, "Well, bitch, listen, you're not the only Martian left. There's more of us. We sent you to Earth to fuck everything up, and you didn't do it. So we're coming. <laughs> we sent now. you to break shit, and we notice that shit remains unbroken. Yeah, I, actually, I think it's like uh, they sent him to infiltrate or something, and now that he's done his job. Uh, they want him to go on like a killing spree, and it looks like they sort of control him to an extent because it looks like he's having trouble controlling his own body through most of it. Yeah, I as I'm looking through the book, uh, the art is gorgeous in this book. I really, really like the artwork in here. Uh, this is by far the most transformative that I have ever seen the Martian Manhunter. I didn't even know he could like do shit like that you know a lot of the time when he shapeshifts into people it's just him changing into another person we saw him turn into a fucking dragon yeah like i'm looking at that page right now he's he's a fucking dragon holding on to an airplane like it's a little ridiculous to a point but <laughs> but it looks fucking cool no it does um the other thing is i i haven't read much of the justice league stuff post um convergence so the shot of them in the uh the space station with um you know new Superman, Wonder Woman, uh new Cyborg and I I think Flash was there. Yeah. Uh that that was cool because I from what it looks like Superman doesn't really have much of a communication with the the Justice League in his book. So I'm kind of curious what's going to go on there. Um besides that it it it's just I there wasn't enough there, you know. It stopped right. so like it started as quick as it ended and I I'm it left me like, well, I don't I don't know if I like this yet. You know, where where where's the rest? I you know, first issues should have a little bit more meat to them just so they get you a little bit more um, you know, involved. For this, I didn't feel all that invested yet, so I feel a lot of people can maybe be like, "Eh, I'm going to put this down. I, you know, it wasn't for me." Which Kind of breaks my heart because I want to like it, and I I am gonna give it a, a you know another couple chances, but I I think it just wasn't a strong enough first issue for a lot of people to really get invested into it. Yeah, I I give them credit because I I mean let's be honest, like people like Martian Manhunter, uh, obviously he's been around for a long time, but he's he's pretty damn ancillary. No, yeah, like, you're right. He's not. I, he's not I like him character. in the Justice League. Right. I don't know that I like him in uh, in a solo book. Like the best, the best thing I've ever seen done with Martian Manhunter is Darwin Cook's New Frontier. And for anyone who hasn't read New Frontier, it, it is the best book that DC has ever put out. In 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 my opinion, like and. As much as I love Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, as much as I love Kingdom Come, all that stuff, New Frontier is just this absolutely incredible, incredible piece of storytelling. And Darwin Cook did this really, really amazing job of characterizing and humanizing Martian Manhunter. For me, it was the first time that I actually read that character and went, okay, I get it. I see why people like this guy. So now to see him in this book, I'm I'm extremely happy that this book exists. I am very I'm very pleased that DC is kind of going out on a limb here um 
you know, and putting out books like Martian Manhunter and one of the ones that I'm going to talk about a little bit later, Dr. Fate. And oh, even, yeah, that was cool. I, I yeah, I didn't read the, the new black. I, I didn't have a chance to get to the black canary book uh, yet, but the new direction that they're taking black canary, I'm, I'm at least interested in it uh, for an issue or two. So, um, you know, I, I hope that the story is there. Uh, looking through the book, like I said, the art was gorgeous, but I hate when an issue number one ends with the main character of the book going to someone else and using the trope of, I need you to kill me. Okay. It's like, it's so tired. It's such a tired, and and utterly, there's no drama involved in that. Because I know you're not going to. No, of course. It's always going to be help, not kill. So Right. You know, it's just, it's just it's a very tired storytelling trope uh, that really needs to go away. It really needs to stop. No, you're right. And, you know, the the it it could have been more. Like I I it's just I'm not sure where it was going and it it just had a really good beginning and like couple pages after that it was super strong and i was like oh who's this guy who are they coming for you know what's gonna happen and then it goes back to the weird alien hanging out in the chair that wants the donuts and mr biscuits mr biscuits and i'm like why <laughs> what do you have to do with anything are, are you like his buddy are you like the the person that's talking to him i don't understand you didn't hurt the girl you gave her a quarter so i'm assuming you're not a terrible alien so i don't know what's going on i i don't I, I want to know. So, you know, we'll check back in with this book. It gets a stay of execution from us. We're not going to say it's bad yet, but it's it's not what we what we wanted out of it. So, right. you know, read at your own risk. If you like Manhunter, give it a shot. You know, he there's there's a, a fan service here they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know, get out to these characters that really don't have much of a place in the DC universe, in the new DC universe. So here's to hoping. Uh, let's let's cross our fingers, hope for the best. And if you get a chance to buy it, buy it so that e uh, DC knows that there's some interest in the book because without you purchasing it, they're going to cancel it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that's three books. I, I did read something else that's not coming to me. Uh, Dan, why don't you start off, and if I uh, think of the other book, I'll uh, jump in in between. All right. Uh, well, first thing I read this week, it was on our uh, Instagram feed. If you follow that, follow us at, you know, Instagram.com slash Geekade. Uh, Geekade. Uh, the fiction, number one. It's a new Boom Studios book uh, written by Kurt Pyers and art by David Rubin. and like, I was sold on this book. I mean, I, I'm usually down to try a new number one from just about anybody. You know, I, I like new things. Um, especially because this had a uh, Fraser Irving uh, cover associated with it, and that guy's just really good. So that sort of thing gets my attention. But then reading the synopsis of the book, it's four friends that are together as like 10 and 11-year-olds. <clears throat> and they find these books up in their parents' uh, attic, in, in one of the kids' attic. His, his family is downstairs. A bunch of people are over there talking to his dad. Apparently, his dad has a drinking problem. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the book kind of introduces us to the kids through the, this device of uh, a somewhat intervention of all the parents together. Kids are upstairs. They're kind of asking... The, the kid, you know, is your dad still a prick, basically, to which he replies, uh, yes, nothing new on that front. And they start flipping through these old books and they're like, what the hell are these books? And they discover as they read through the books the, uh, that these books have the power to transport them literally, not figuratively, as in most of the time when you hear discussion about reading, but quite literally, these books transport them. Uh, to new places, right? And that's always been the thing when we try and get people to read. It's like, no, it will take you on on a journey and you can go on this adventure and, you know, it's all in your head and all that stuff. And it's like, no, this this actually, you go on the adventure. Wait, so the dad is Jacked from Final Fantasy and the kid's Titus. Do I win? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yes, win! Pretty Fuck much. yeah! <laughs> pretty much. 
so they they read these books and they go um to these really crazy like imaginative worlds some of them are abstract some of them are are, are more traditional uh there's a shot of some weird looking dragons on one panel and then there's some floating cities on another panel and then there's uh Ganesh and Geppetto are hanging out together and you see Loki and a pirate and like all of this stuff is just kind of mixed together of all these kind of crazy worlds and all of this is being told through uh through flashback so you know you get some some kind of overwrought and perhaps overdramatic dialogue uh, you know things like that was our lives back then adventure discovery and happiness that was our lives back then and it was beautiful until it wasn't and like that sort of thing like that i'm i'm in you know i love that kind of over dramatic wrought with tension kind of writing but main character one of the main characters one of the four friends uh sang he disappears while they are like 11 right they're in this world and he's gone jeez yeah so you know we flash forward now to uh them as adults and tyler one of the other friends as an adult and it's like 15 years later so like 25 26 i'm i'm guessing is where they're supposed to be and he is you can there's some some dialogue coming from his wife it's very obvious that he is uh in a different part of the house his wife is shouting to him and he sees one of these books and he opens the book even though it's very obvious that he doesn't want to and tyler disappears so we lost a, a kid when they were children, and we've lost another one of these kids now that they're adults. So uh, two of them are left, and you've got Cassie, who is uh, going to be the, she seems to be the plucky female detective character of the story, uh, going over to Tyler's house to talk to his wife. And, you know, the wife is like, this isn't like him. I don't know what could have happened. He just seemed to have vanished out of thin air, which he we know that he actually did vanish out of thin air into this book. Uh, Cassie sees the book that they used to read as kids on the floor and goes to find the fourth member, goes to find the other kid. And he has had some trouble dealing with the fact that while they were kids, his friend uh, disappeared. And he, you know, he says to her, his name is Max, and Max and Cassie are having this conversation and she's saying like, look, some really fucked up shit happened to us when we were kids and we need to stop pretending like that's not what actually fucking happened. You need to stop saying that, you know, Sang's dad killed him or uh, that's kind of what it's alluded to of Sang's father was an alcoholic. He was a bad person and he did some fucked up shit and Sang is gone and that's what actually happened, you know, kind of denying what happened when they were kids and, and yeah i mean it's some it's some pretty heavy some pretty heavy stuff but she says look i am tyler's gone sang is gone i am going to find out what happened and if any of us have ever meant anything to you at all uh you would be coming with me and she walks out of the apartment it was alluded to earlier that there was some romantic tension with max and cassie when they were younger of, you know, like, you two are going to get married. Ooh, why don't you guys just go make out already? And they're, no, stop it, you know. And obviously there's some uh, a bit of an unrequited love angle that will be dealt with uh, throughout this miniseries because it's not an ongoing. It's a, I think it's a six-issue series. I mean, that sounds um, pretty cool, though. It's really fucking cool. So, uh, you know, Max shows up, they go to the book, and that's where we kind of leave the first issue of Max and Cassie uh, re-entering this world, there's an epilogue of this really weird gold monster thing with, like, a pink blob face, and it fucking, like, picks this black lotus and, uh, like, redraws it and, like, refurbishes it, I guess is the best way to put it. I got you. Uh, in, into a white lotus and plants it back and just continues to walk through this field. Like, it's it's a really heady concept that if the writing wasn't so good and if the, uh, the artwork wasn't so good, like the storytelling from panel to panel wasn't so well done, you could get really lost in this kind of thing pretty quickly. 
but it was a really, really solid book. I was really impressed with it, and it, like I'm really excited to to see where this goes. No, nah, I might have to pick that up myself and check that. That that sounds like a really cool book, and it sounds perfect for like a mini series. Yeah, exactly. Like there, there is a very definite story here to be told. It is not a fifty issue story. It's not a twenty issue story. It's a six or an eight issue story, and. And I kind of love that a lot of the smaller studios are doing those things. It's kind of the the BBCification of the comic book world, whereas American television, you get, you know, we're going to do season one of the show for 37 episodes because, fuck, that's how American television works. And you look at British television and they're like, no, we have four. We have a four episode story and... That's it, you know, so I, I really like that, that there's the market for both the big ongoing bombastic storytelling of, you know, Marvel and DC, and then the smaller publishers fill these, these just stories, these complete arcs, and, and you get to have a, you know, a first, second, and third act, and, and you're on to the next thing. I really like it. So, fiction number one, Boom Studios has been killing it lately. They've been putting out some really, really great stuff. They have. They have. I um, agree. Uh, I, I'm I did, really impressed with them right now. I, I did remember what uh, I was going to say or what comic. All right, of. Jump, in, jump into that one. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think you'll probably... I'm, I'm going to read you a little uh, excerpt from the book and tell me if, if you know what it is, okay? Mm-hmm. My style is manic. My flow's volcanic. We in your town, fool. It's time to panic. My cruel rose deep 20,000 fathoms. Swatting down every single Fokker coming at him. Do you know where that's from, Dan? I, I don't. I hope it's a Meet the Fockers comic. No, book, no. It's uh, Kaiju Max number three. Is it really? Yeah. That's amazing. The, uh, the first page, uh, first couple of panels, actually, it's uh, this big <laughs> where the wild things are looking monster laying down some sick beats, man. <laughs> and there's like a little pterodactyl as this hype man going, yeah, oh, it's it's fucking fantastic. It's everything I've ever wanted in a comic book. I, you know, in fact, just make more of this. <laughs> make lots more of this. Yeah, um, Xander Cannon, thank you. Hopefully, uh, spoilers. Will we're gonna try and get some sort of interview going with Xander Cannon over the over the summer here? Probably hoping somewhere in July or so. But I, the guy's just doing amazing work. Ah, yeah, true story, Amazing man. work, and and as many people as could possibly read that book need to be reading that book. I want it as an animated series. I want a, a Kaiju Max t-shirt. I want stuffed animals. I need the whole thing. Oh, yeah, totally, dude. I, I agree with you. Agree with you 100%. Um, just, I'm going to go over the book real quick because we already got yeah, on yeah. to you, and I, I, I want to hear what else you had to read. Um. This book focuses entirely on the Mecca uh, segment of the correctional facility. So you got the leader, Mechazon, and you got his story, which is actually really cool. He is a reformed um, fighting gigantic Mecha robot for the government. Um, what happened was he got into one big-ass fight and... Uh, this huge uh, monster actually gave him a beat down and he had a self-realization. He's like, you know, what's the purpose of fighting? You know, like, why, why are we doing this? Why can't everyone just, you know, be with peace with each other? And it's, it's kind of crazy that this robot has like an identity to himself that he, <laughs> he, he's like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And, the guy who built him was like, well, if you don't fight for me, I'm going to send you to the island with the rest of the fucking freaks. And um, the the uh, Mechazon, the, the leader of the, the Mecha, I, I guess you call them gang. They're more of a group because they're not really violent at all. He, right. He's like, so be it. Do what you have to do. I, I don't want any part in this. So, yeah, that's why he's there. Like, um, And it's it's really sad that, like, his uh, creator, which he refers to as his father, which, again, really brings more character to this this guy because he um he doesn't seem like a robot. He seems more like a person, like a monk almost, you know? 
and um, he, he yeah, he's very zen. Yeah, you know, and he has followers and everything, but all the other uh, monsters think they're a fucking joke, and they, for the most part, leave him alone or just kind of heckle at him from a distance. Because let's be real, these robots are armed to the teeth, and they can't be disarmed. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want to catch them on a bad day, which actually happens like part of the way through this book is um, the monster that beat him gets captured and for Mechazon that's not good because his programming is to take out that said target so yeah his his programming starts going fucking haywire (coughs) and you start realizing that this uh this captured monster is actually part of a uh a large gang like a one of the old school uh gangs that uh kind of operate outside the prison and the when he's captured I, one of the big cheeses up like in the government totem pole, I guess, wants him taken out or got word that he needs to be taken out. So they were going to put him in solitary. And um, the uh, one of like the senators or something is like, no, put him in Gen Pop. I hear, you know, he'll be taken care of well there. And she says it with like italics and shit. So, you know, something's right. off. And um, Mechazon gets a look at him and he's like, oh, no. Oh no. So he start he turns away. His fucking you go into like his vision mode. So you see everything going red. Targets blaring everywhere. Missile locks fucking lasers armed ready to go. Um and the the big boss there, the guard, uh Kato, I think his name is. Uh Kaito. Yeah. He's like, "No, no. God, no. Take him away. Take him the fuck away. Get him out of here." <laughs> Sounds the alarm what are you and doing? everything. What are you doing? Yeah, and um all the guards are there, like, ready to, you know, just pop off because this could end very badly very quickly. But Mechazon actually keeps it together. And the worst part is this uh, monster actually goes over to Mechazon, talks shit, and then walks away like, yeah, bitch, you ain't got nothing. And I wanted so bad, so bad for Mechazon just to unleash everything and blow a hole right through this guy. But he kept it together. And, I mean... As far as being dedicated to your, you know, religion or beliefs, that robot is a standing example of it because he did not break that even though everything in his being, his programming, his soul told him that he had to. So I found that very impressive and a very good definition of what that character is all about. And that's pretty much what the book is. Uh, Well, this issue, it's just, you know sort of letting you know some of these other characters and how they uh, work, which is great. Also, what I found really, really cool in this book was there is a um, uh, a little uh, table, a chart of all the gangs in the back, like the actual gangs that uh, nice. operate there, and they tell you a little bit about them and their history, which I thought was super fucking cool because they haven't really touched on much of the the cryptoids or anything, or really any much of any of them, like the J-pops we don't know too much about or anything. So it gives like a paragraph description about each of them too, which is awesome. Xander Cannon, thank you. I love this fucking book. I hope it never ends. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about Kaiju Max number three. Uh, it's just, it's such a great idea. And uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. I fucking, I love that book. I love, I love that we live in a world where something like that exists. It's a brilliant thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's fucking it's just great, so man. good. Yeah. It's just so good. And uh, I, I, I didn't mention all the details, so there definitely is uh, some stuff in there to keep your reading. I did not spoil all of it. So by all means, guys and Dan, pick it up, read it. It's it's such a heavy book, man. Like, there's so much going on. There's so much story. I mean, it is it is a dense fucking book, and I mean that in the best way possible. You know, there, it's not it's not difficult to understand, but there's there is so much going on. It's I I would imagine um, relatively similarly to how a real prison is. Of you know, there's just so many characters and motivations and and wants and desires and just everything going on. He's and he's fucking handling it masterfully. Oh yeah, man. He he's done a fantastic job on this book. I couldn't wish any more from it. Uh there's plenty of story, lots to love. Please check it out. Kaiju Max. Uh just the series. If you haven't picked up the first one, pick up the first one, pick up the second one, pick up the third one. Subscribe to it. 
tell your comic book stories you want it it's awesome i love it i know we've been talking about it like every issue but it's just good man if 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 i like a book i'm gonna fucking talk about it you know yeah i'm with you uh so yeah uh check it out uh but dan back to you all right so uh i have two dc books to round out the week here um things that I was, you know, relatively interested in. Oh, the first one I'm going to talk about justice league of America. Number one, uh, not a book that I was all that excited about, uh, you know, coming off of convergence and whatnot. But then I was like, Oh, uh, Brian Hitch is writing and drawing the book. And, uh, it takes place outside of the main continuity. So awesome. I'm in, uh, Brian Hitch, for those of you that don't know, really came to prominence, as the artist uh, on on the Ultimates, uh, volumes one and two with Mark Millar, he has a really incredible uh, art style. It's not perfect, but it really scratches a very particular itch for me as far as superhero comics are concerned. He does widescreen, big panel action uh, better than damn near anybody in the business. He is incredibly talented. His writing... Uh, has always been somewhat not it's not that it's bad it's it's very good writing it's you're not getting Mark Millar or Brian Bendis or you know Grant Morrison level writing out of it but it is it is absolutely above average and this Justice League book that he's doing is very much just his vision like I said it it takes place outside of the continuity the Superman that we get here is a fully powered Superman. Batman is Bruce Wayne. It is not Robo Batman. So, and Green Lantern is not whatever hoodie wearing, nineties looking Green Lantern thing that's going on right now. Which I say that perhaps a bit more venomously than I should, since I didn't read the first issue last week. But uh, I certainly don't like the way it looks. Um, but as for this book here, it starts off with. Uh, Superman looking beaten and bloody and damn near defeated. And it, we're here at the end of a massive battle and there is a giant explosion and Superman is rocketed off into space. There's some some dialogue going on. We don't know exactly who the dialogue is coming coming from. Um, but it's, you know, some it's obviously somewhat of a heated conversation we find out that somebody is talking to Superman and it's a, it's a bit obtuse because Superman is passed out floating through space. So we're not really sure if this is a conversation that has happened previously. And he is just kind of thinking about it as he is passing through space unconscious. Uh, he is sucked up into a wormhole and then we cut to Clark Kent, uh, Clark Kent, uh, going over to his desk at the daily planet with, uh, Lois Lane asking him if, he will be taking her to this event that he has been invited to in New York city. And she's like, you know, my dress is at the cleaners. I can't, I can't come with you. You know, it's kind of rude of you not to have told me about this now, you know? So right away we, we get that this is, you know, pre new, new 52. Is that what we're calling post convergence? The new, new 52. Yeah. No, it's called the DC Y O U, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> the DC Wii U, yeah, the, D- the DC Wii U, uh, Nintendo, <coughs> new Nintendo 3DS uh, XL. Um, yeah, I, I, new Super Mario Bros. I'm, I'm not too sure what it's called. So this takes place before all of this. It, I, I'm not sure if it takes place before it or outside of it because I, as how can it take place outside of it? Because didn't we just converge everything <sighs> together? Well, see, that, that's kind of the frustrating thing, and that would be my uh, the negative comment that I have about this book, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, so Clark is talking about going to this event, and he's not, you know, he's not going to take Lois. We cut over to the Maw, which is the Supermax prison in Metropolis, like, you know, like the Raft in Marvel and like Arkham in, in Gotham City, uh, and you see somebody being broken out of the prison, uh, the guy uses a Jedi mind trick where the other two guards are like, Hey, what are you doing? We better call it in. There's no scheduled transfers. And he kind of, he Jedi mind tricks them and says, you don't need to call it in. And they respond with, we don't need to call it in, you know? So it's kind of silly and I somewhat of an homage, I suppose, but uh, Superman shows up at this, uh, at this big building 
Um, he walks in and, you know, he comes in as Superman. He walks into the Infinity Corporation who has invited him. And he says, you know, very clever, the invitation, uh, lead foil. I read through it. You know, it says Clark Kent on the outside. But, you know, there's the Superman. My insignia is on, on the inside of this lead foil invitation. So, uh, so first of all, there's the question, how the fuck do you know who I am? And there's a lady there who is saying, you know, Vincent is a very clever man. We're, we're going to take you to see Vincent and he will explain everything. And, and Superman says, okay, look, uh, you've set this up so that I can't see through walls. You, it scatters my x-ray vision, but, uh, understand that I could tear this place apart with my bare hands if I wanted to. Uh, I have a certain amount of patience, but my patience has limits which is the kind of Superman that I like. I really like when Superman kind of reminds people of, hey, you know who the fuck I am? Do you know, like, keep in mind, I'm not killing you by choice. I, I can punch a hole through you if I want, but I'm not. Yeah, I, so <laughs> I would fucking decimate you if I wanted to. Don't piss me off. Like, I, I like... I like that somewhat modern take on Superman of, you know, he's not the big blue boy scout necessarily. He is the, uh, you know, big blue ass kicker. Who's like, I'm going to be a good guy until you piss me off. So she goes in and says, you know, we're, we're going, I'm going to take you into this room and it's going to be a bit disturbing. Try not to overreact. And we cut to a panel of this really beautiful widescreen shot, you know, double panel sh shot of, uh, there's probably 20, 25 Superman bodies just dead lying in the room wearing the same, you know, the same Superman costume, the new 52 Superman costume, sans underwear on the outside thing. And naturally, as one would expect, uh, Superman kind of freaks out and we see a, a scientist over there and he's like, fuck, there's somebody coming through, stand back. And another Superman pops through. Uh, we are to assume that it is the Superman from the beginning of the book. And uh, our current Superman pops over to this dying one and says, you know, what the fuck is going on? Why are you me and dead? And uh, this Superman just responds with, don't trust him. And that's it. He dies. So we've got a new body that just pops in. And this, this guy, this scientist guy starts freaking out. We find out that that's Vincent. And we see through the dialogue that... Uh, what we read earlier as Superman was floating through space is the dialogue that is happening right now. It's the same thing. So it's like, okay, this is the Superman that was talking earlier. He's talking to this lady and to, uh, to Vincent and Vincent says, welcome to the infinity corporation. We're trying to save your life. Um, it kind of jumps around from there. Uh, you don't get a ton more story. It turns out that the prisoner that was being broken out of the maw is Parasite, uh, and he goes on. Yeah, I love Parasite. I mean, he's such a, a goofy character, but Brian Hitch draws him in such an imposing manner uh, that he was really badass, and he fights... Uh, well, actually, before that, uh, Aquaman is at the United Nations uh, <laughs> kind of saying, like, uh, look, uh, I promise Atlantis is not going to attack you uh, because you're basically all... Your entire planet is a bunch of backwater hicks and you have nothing we're interested in. Like, I understand we have no trade agreements with you. Uh, that's because you ain't got shit we want. So, Way to go, Arthur. <laughs> yeah, I, I promise we're not going to attack uh, because, and he says, uh, I, we don't want anything that, uh, or we have more advanced technology than anything you developing nations have. Which, you know, as a red-blooded American reading a book, it's like, hey, fuck you, don't call us developing. We're the leaders of the free worlds. We're exceptional. That's what our government tells us all the time. Anyway, um, so Arthur's like, all right, uh, he gets a message during his press conference. He has to go. He dives back into the sea to go talk to some fish or some shit. Um, Parasite starts fighting the rest of the Justice League. So Flash, Wonder Woman, uh, Batman, and Green Lantern. They all show up here. They've all gotten invitations to be there as well. Um, there's a really weird shot of Wonder Woman in this book where she, it looks like, like Green Lantern has flown down to this location where they're supposed to meet. And it looks like Diana has run in 
and stopped in a kind of weird running pose to talk to Hal Jordan, like it, out of a, a really gorgeous, really well drawn um, book. It's a very strange panel because she it's over a couple pan. It's fuck it by the book. Look at it. It's really weird. Um, the the characterization was a little bit off here because uh, Parasite shows up. Batman's like everybody, fuck off. He's gonna suck up all of your power and they're like what i'm gonna keep shooting energy at him and flash like runs over to him and you know he sucks away green lantern's power battery so now you have a parasite with um a pseudo green lantern logo on his chest and the power to the speed force and batman is like the fuck is wrong with you people stop it and they're like don't you research and flash even asks it says like no that's what we have you for he's like fucking stop running over to him you're making him this big thing and eventually parasite kind of hulks out to the point of being like five stories tall and shit. And, you know, they fight him and eventually Superman shows back up. He's had his arguments with, uh, with the infinity corporation, you know, parasite, he says parasites going on. We, I need to go. Uh, they respond, you know, then you get a little panel of them talking of, we should have told him the truth and no, it's too risky. So, Ooh, it's a shadowy organization who didn't see that one coming. Um, Justice League fights Parasite. Uh, spoilers, they win, because comics. Um, Hal Jordan has all of his power sucked away, so the Green Lantern battery on Oa pulls him back. Flash is knocked into uh, the teleport, which I'm sure will lead to some shenanigans coming on. Uh, you know, they defeat Parasite, they put him down. And as they're doing that, it's a very long book, like it was very, very big book. Cyborg shows up to help them defeat Parasite. Um, I'm really liking what, what they're doing with Cyborg now. They've made him kind of a more badass uh, version of Iron Man, which is really cool. So he shows up, they defeat Parasite, and uh, this weird thing shows up at the end. And you, you kind of get this voiceover. And I swear, I thought for a moment when I was looking at this, uh, you know, because Batman, Superman, and Cyborg go back to New York. They're like, what the fuck is going on? We got to go back and talk to this Infinity Corporation. Uh, the whole building that Superman was in, everything that was there is gone. And then there's a voiceover, and I thought it was Telos. Because it's the same font. Cut, cut that and shit out. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? You better not. And there's just this voiceover that says, you know, come into the light. I am the great god, Rao, and I have come to save you. And there's just this shadowy figure in this big ball of light and boom, Justice League of America. So, uh. I, you, you know, I'm going to be honest. I really enjoyed the shit out of this book. Uh, Brian Hitch is not a guy who can keep up a monthly schedule. It has been well established over his career that that is just not something he can do. He has gotten plenty of lead time on this book. Again, I think this is just a mini a mini series relaunch into the justice league book. This was, this was a summer movie, you know, so spoilers. If you've ever seen a summer movie, you know, exactly beat by beat what is going to happen in the story. And it's okay because a summer popcorn reading fun. This was great. You know, I really enjoyed it. It's big. It's epic. Uh, you can, you can see every twist and turn coming. Um, you know, down to the fact that they took a couple players off the field and then Flash and Green Lantern are going to have to make their triumphant return and, you know, all that shit and the shadowy organizations and all that. It's, you can see everything coming, but just because we know that, like, take Jurassic World, for example, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm pretty sure Chris Pratt is the hero. I'm pretty sure the Indominus Rex is taken down by that team of raptors that Chris Pratt is training. You know. Even though I know that's going to happen, it doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the film. You know, so I really liked it. I think this is worth picking up. Uh, like I said, Brian Hitch just nails that particular look for me. I, I love his artwork dearly. And anything that, that he's involved with, I'm, I'm going to pick up and I know I'm going to enjoy. It's, it's kind of comic book comfort food, you know. Fair enough. I mean, uh, yeah. Okay, so summer blockbuster comics, pick it up. Yeah, pretty much. 
Now, the last book I want to talk about is the complete opposite of that, and that is Dr. Fate number one. Dr. Fate is a character that I feel kind of the same way I think Evan feels about Moon Knight. I love this character. I don't know why he's not a major, major player and, you know, someone that everybody loves, but he just never has been. And it's a shame because the, the, the character itself is really cool. And the version that they're doing here is completely different than any version of Dr. Fate uh, that there ever has been. The, the first thing, though, to mention about this book is the artwork. This is about as different from DC artwork as you could possibly get. It's sketchy. It's funky. The proportions are weird. Everything is just kind of a, a little a little bit more angular. The coloring is really different than anything DC has done. It looks very much like an indie comic. And for a character like Dr. Fate, I, I loved the artwork in this book. It was really, really awesome. And, and the storytelling from panel to panel was really great. The, the camera angles that the artist chose were really, really great. Uh, the artist's name is Sonny Liu. Uh, Paul Levitz is the writer of this book, who I'm not a huge Paul Levitz fan, but he does do good work, and, and this was pretty good, too. We get the origin story in this of the new Dr. Fate, and he is an Egyptian uh, medical student named uh, Khalid, and he is he's in the Brooklyn Museum, and the, a statue... An Egyptian statue is talking to him, trying to offer him the fucking helmet of fate. And he, he naturally, as one would do, I assume, even if you live in Brooklyn and, you know, all of the cool hipster things that go on there, I would imagine a, a talking statue would freak you the fuck out. So he comes running out of there. There is this cat that is running around and, you know, giving a lot of uh, storytelling narrative dialogue throughout there, you know, saying that, you know, Khalid is is only a boy. He's not very. He's not making good decisions. But uh, Tutankhamun wasn't any smarter at that age either. So you know, fuck it, whatever. We're gonna keep finding this guy. Uh, some of the older gods from Egyptian time, uh, Amun Ra, I believe, and Anubis are the ones that are involved here. They're trying to flood the planet. Like this takes place in Brooklyn. Um, he goes down into the subway, and this was one of actually the the main issues that I had with this book is that there are shots of him in the subway, the Eastern Parkway Brooklyn Museum stop of the, uh, like the A train and the, and the C train that goes into, I work in Brooklyn. I work in this area. Uh, you got the color of the people wrong. Just pointing that out there. Um, you know, it's, everyone is kind of Egyptian here. Um, and if you've ever actually been in the subways of New York city, uh, especially around the Eastern Parkway uh, uh, and the Brooklyn Museum section, it is about as diverse a population as you can get. So to see, you know, this this real world lo real world location depicted uh, pretty much perfectly, other than the fact that you whitewashed everything again. Um, I mean, that I had a major issue with, you know, because it, it's just unnecessary. It's it seemed kind of lazy, but that that aside. You know, there's a bunch going on. Uh, a baby falls down in front of the subway tracks. Uh, Khalid jumps down and and saves the baby. Uh, and a train is about to hit him. One of the subway cars is about to come smashing into him. And he taps into some power and causes the train to stop. You know, which kind of freaks him out a little bit. Uh, he's like, no, I'm good. You know, people are like, hey, what the fuck is going on? Uh, he's like, no, it's cool. I'm, I'm going to walk home. Please don't, you know, just... Give me a minute here. I need to clear clear your head. His his cat. We find out that it was his cat that's been walking around. Shows up and uh, and says to him, "You need to accept your fate." Which I don't know if any of you have pets who listen to us, but uh, mine have never talked to me. And if they ever told me that I needed to accept my fate, I'd probably listen. I you have a dog, right, Dean? Yeah. Has he ever spoken to you? sometimes but it's mainly in my head <laughs> but it's mainly feed me feed me feed me i love you yeah not not dean you need to accept your fate no okay. no normally not so we cut back um you know there's some scenes of khalid's father 
uh, he's a taxi driver driving this guy, uh, saying, you know, I need to get to the airport. I cannot miss my flight. Uh, even though we're in a storm where some of the characters, like we get some, some news clips that say, you know, the storm is just as bad, if not worse than hurricane Sandy. Um, which I, I don't know. I feel like that's a little inside baseball as far as like, if you live on the East coast, uh, you know exactly how bad that was. If not, I don't know how much impact that had on the rest of the country reading this book, you know? Um, but anyway, so uh, massive flooding, horrible storm, impassable roads, like New York City never floods. Brooklyn does not flood. There are, there's a character who says, you know, Red Hook is, is completely unreachable. Red Hook's down kind of at the bottom of Brooklyn, um, you know, actually way far away from where the rest of the story is taking place. Um, but geography, fuck it. He's, he walks into the museum with his cat. Um, they tell him the story, you know... Uh, you need to be Dr. Fate. You need to take the helmet. He puts the helmet on and you get just this really trippy fucking artwork of weird shit going on and lights. And, you know, the cat goes, all right, I got to go home. Uh, I, you know, I'm an old God and I have to, I have to bounce out later. And he freaks out, takes the helmet off, um, you know, ends up on top of the, uh, like, uh, it's about two blocks away from the museum ends up on top of this uh, monument that they have. It's John F. Kennedy. Uh, there's a little park in Brooklyn with a fountain and whatnot around Flatbush Avenue. Um, there's a big circle there. That's where he ends up. Cuts back, and he's just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Cuts back to his dad. A tree falls, and it turns out, you know, smashes the car, that or the taxi that his dad is driving, and the guy who was in the back of the car pops out, and the last panel is him staring and looking very Lex Luthor-ish. It's not Lex Luthor, but God damn it, he looks like him. Uh, and he says, maybe you shouldn't have left Egypt, old man. And that's the end of it. And uh, man, like, I really liked this book. Kind of the, the issues that I have with it of like, you know, I work in Brooklyn. I, I am in Brooklyn every day, walking around, driving around. Like, I know all these areas. And you... You captured some of the iconography of it, like the park itself looked good and certain parts of the museum looked good, but the geography and the cultural diversity that is present there wasn't necessarily represented in the book. That is way more of a personal thing for me than, you know, everybody, than I would imagine somebody living in Montana would feel reading this book because I see it every day. Other than that, I really liked this book. I think it is definitely worth picking up. It told a really interesting story. Um, I don't think it did enough kind of the way you feel about Martian Manhunter. I don't think this did enough though, to get a ton of new readers onto the book. If Dr. Fate wasn't a character you're already interested in, unfortunately. Well, the other thing is, does this take place outside of the DC universe? Because. Nope. This is, this is firmly in the, uh, the new DC Wii U. So what the, like, I don't understand, you know, they spent literally like almost a hundred years now, like building <laughs> fucking Gotham and Metropolis and all this shit, and then they go like throwing in these reference like <laughs> Gotham. I don't know, man. I just always thought Gotham was supposed to be New York and fucking like I. <sighs> Gotham is New York. Metropolis is Chicago. But now New York is New York. I don't fucking understand. Yeah, I, I mean, because there's always been that argument, right, of, like, Metropolis and Gotham. There's There's been two schools of thoughts, or two schools of thoughts, because I'm a fucking idiot. Been two schools of thought on that for a while, that Gotham is New York and Metropolis is Chicago, or that Gotham is New York City in the 70s at night when it was a really dangerous fucking place to be, and Metropolis is New York City uh the idealistic version of New York City during the daytime. Um, but either way, they have always seemed uh, to be, if not both New York, then at least New York and Chicago. And now, with having New York in the story, um, it kind of, uh, you know, like I said a couple minutes ago, because fuck geography. You know, there's, it, you know, yeah, I know it's frustrating. 
Like, that, that's the thing. Like, I, I was like, oh, okay, maybe Dan's going to say, like, that he puts on the helmet and it throws him into a different fucking universe. And then, <laughs> but that doesn't happen. It's just, he's already there. And, like, the Sandy reference and stuff. All right. Like, you're trying to base this in today's time. I get it. But why? Like, why did you? You could have. You could just said he was in fucking Gotham. I don't. I don't know, man. I, I, I or or silly. make up a new city. Or, yeah. or make up a city that doesn't have an analog. Like, I, you know, you've got like Coast City has always kind of been uh, to me. You know, like representative of like either San Francisco or San Diego. I don't know that they can ever decide uh, which city that is supposed to be. But then you have. Uh, Keystone City and um, Central City, which are have always seemed to be a little bit more Midwestern cities, like maybe one of those is St. Louis, you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. DC has always done a really good job of establishing their own uh, universe, so to speak. Marvel has done an excellent job of establishing that fucking don't live in New York if you're in the Marvel Universe, because bad shit's going to happen to you if you do. Uh, I'm not really sure why DC is, is jumping into it. I agree. Especially if you're going to, to, uh, hit a bit left to center. You know what I mean? Like I, I've been on those subways quite a bit and I don't, I don't know how often you've been on the subways in New York city, Dean, but you know, I know, I know our listeners have too. They've been on the subways and it's not a, it is not a milk toast looking thing it is not homogenous it is incredibly diverse and that diversity was not represented so if you're going to put it in the real world it better fucking look like it no you're right and i don't know again that doesn't really have to do much with the story it's just if you know you've been doing the same thing for how long and now all of a sudden you're just gonna throw like a real city in there i and it I got it. If it took place outside of, you know, the DC universe, whatever, man, do what you want. I'm happy yeah. to fucking have New York City be uh, a thing that is in that story. But you throw it into the DCU, then you got where where the fuck is exactly Gotham located? Uh, proportion next to New York. Like where where I- on the map? Point out fucking <laughs> Gotham City to me on a damn map. Gotham is now uh, uh, Jersey City. Oh, oh, well, you know what? Makes sense. I like it. <laughs> Newark. It's, it's Newark. It's, Gotham is Newark. <laughs> you know, actually, that doesn't... That, it's not that too works. far. Yeah. It's not too far off, actually. That wouldn't be too bad. But, yeah, I mean, I don't care about the overall DCU. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not my thing. I'm, you know... As we firmly established on the show, I'm way more of a Marvel zombie than I am a DC guy. Uh, so I don't, that part should affect me more than it does. I don't, like, I just want it to be a cool Dr. Fate story. And like I said, I really liked it, but I was going to like it because it's Dr. Fate. I don't know that they did enough to pull in a new reader because I think the art style is really cool, but it's weird. It's not normal. You know, this is nothing like Dr. Fate that you've ever seen before. So, you know, I don't know. I would say pick it up. I think it's worth checking out. I I can't promise that this is for everybody, though. You know, Justice League of America, that's for everybody. It's summer movie. It's comic book comfort food. Dr. Fate, uh, you're going to love it or hate it. I don't know that there's an in-between on that one. All right. Well, cool. So, I, I think uh, that wraps it up, right? I think so. That wraps us up uh, for this week of the Paper Cuts podcast issue number 40. We're almost at a year, Dean. I mean, we're three months away from a year, but we're almost at a year. Yeah, we're getting there, man. It's very exciting. Why don't you tell us about our social links, though? For anybody who may be new to the podcast, where can they find us on the old interwebs? In the garbage! <laughs> no. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, in the show notes, you can find us all in the there show notes: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, um, Instagram, Tumblr, um, uh, uh, Pornhub, whatever you want. It's all there. Uh, so yeah, be sure to everything. We're, we're this, on Pornhub. Yeah, totally. Son of a uh, bitch. 
Everything besides awesome. Pornhub will be listed in the uh, <laughs> social links below. We don't actually have a Pornhub, so sorry. We should, though. Yeah, we, yeah, we totally should. Uh, just <laughs> not going to get into that conversation. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe if you think we should have a Pornhub. Anyway. I- like, comment, and subscribe either way. Five-star reviews, kids. Yeah. So that's how we get more eyes on the podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, besides that, uh, Dan, why don't you fill in with that? what Evan normally has to say? Uh, Garden State Comic Fest coming up July, the end of July 26th, 27th. Uh, Men in Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Tons of artists, tons of really awesome stuff going on. Uh, the show is, is twice the size that it was last year. And if you went to Garden State Comic Fest last year, you could see that there it was it had already grown by the time we were at that show. It had already grown past capacity and needed to be a bigger thing. It is a show that is focused on the comics. It is not video games. It is not movies. This there are tons of artists, tons of collectibles. If you're into comics, this is the place you need to be. Big name artists are going to be there. Ethan Van Skyver is coming back. He did an amazing Sleepwalker sketch for me last year. One of the best things that I have. One of my my favorite possessions now is this. I'm going to get it tattooed. God damn it. It's so cool. Come back. Get a sketch. Get some stuff. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be there. We're going to have a panel. We're going to be showing it with uh, or sharing uh, some space with the, uh, the CBFU guys. A uh, bunch of great guys. We're going to be doing some stuff. It's going to be a good time. Uh, July 26th, 27th, Men in Arena. Please come check it out. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Uh, so with that, Dan, why don't you sing us out? All right. Make sure that you follow me on Twitter at GeekAidDan. Follow us on Twitter at GeekAid. For Dean DeFalco, Evan Goldstein, and Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan.